Welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network for the Emerald Football Podcast. I'm Maverick Halleck, and I'm joined by Jack Butler. Hello. And Sean Meadow. How's it going? And we're all sports reporters for the Daily Emerald, and we're here to talk about Oregon's loss to Stanford, their 38-31 overtime loss, and to preview the Ducks' trip to Berkeley, where they're taking on undefeated Cal this weekend. And Jack and I will both be there covering, and it's surely to be... Maybe not as interesting as the last game, but a, a good game. I mean, I hope it's interesting. That was wild. That yeah, was fun. I unfortunately did not get to cover it. Sean was there instead. And uh, what were your guys' overall takes from the game? Well, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, Oregon blew uh, in a, probably their best opportunity for a uh, top 10 win uh, that they're, you know, certainly this season. I mean, we'll see what what Washington's rank come to town, but I mean, certainly probably their best opportunity for a big win in three years. I don't, I don't know. Since the Florida yeah. state. Since maybe the Rose bowl. Yeah. I mean, uh, they really had Stanford pretty much in the bag, honestly, almost at halftime. Uh, but obviously that second half, uh, quickly went, went poorly when Jake Hansen snapped the ball over Justin Herbert's head and Portland, Oregon Jesuit high school graduate, uh, Joey Alfieri returned it all the way for a touchdown. But, um, I mean, in that first half, essentially, I mean, that was that was the best I've seen Oregon play football since probably that Rose Bowl against Florida State. And Mario Cristobal has talked about being physical, being physical, being physical. And they always were an underrated physical team under, like, Chip Kelly and, and Coach Butt. They, they really dominated – the line of scrimmage for the first half of that game. I mean, they've said this a couple times now, but they outstanforded Stanford, and they on both sides, defensively and um, offensively. I mean, Bryce Love didn't get going at all. Uh, he did a little bit in the second half, but um, he had what one run over 15 yards? I don't even know. Well, it was a 22-yard touchdown. Yeah. Are you talking in the first half? No, I'm just saying overall in the yeah. game, he had that I mean, one run. I think he had as long as was the touchdown. Certainly, his longest was a touchdown. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I think he had some that were close to a 15. Do you, do you think the bit, injury from the UC Davis no, game? No, because that was because that was what a concussion. Yeah, that no, that fine. I don't think had an effect. Uh, I think Oregon's defensive line had their best. Doesn't matter. Game. It doesn't matter if you have a uh, healthy whatever. If you're getting hit uh, in the backfield or the second you get the line of scrimmage every time, no it matter how like good he made of a running guys back, miss too. No, like yeah, I I mean. Again, that Oregon defense was just literally all over him, and, and all, and you know, really most of the game. I mean, he got loose a couple times. He ended up with not the worst line: 19 attempts, 93 yards, a touchdown. You know, almost 4.7 yards per carry, which is far from his like 11 yards per carry that he averaged last year. But, um, well, I mean, I mean, I'll I'll move on here. But my my overall take is just how Oregon dominated most of that game. They out-Stanforded Stanford. They certainly put the message across that, um, you know, they can, they can beat top 10, top 15 teams. Now they need to finish and they need to clean some, now they need to beat a top 15. Right. They they need to clean some, um, pretty stupid stuff up. I might say, but, um, you know, that overall, that was my takeaway. Obviously I think it's hard to argue that Stan or that, Oregon really let this one slip. I mean, Stanford definitely had to earn their way back, too, and did some really good things, which I want to touch on. But, I mean, Oregon Oregon blew it. I don't, I don't think they're – I mean, players have said that, too. So, 
I mean, yeah, Oregon, I think, would every single player would be the first one to say that uh, they should have won that game. And Justin Herbert was even saying that uh, it's a tough game, but we're going to learn from it and come back from it. And they should win this week. I think even with the betting line, it says they uh, they should win this week. I think the players know that. And just going back a little on the defense, I, I don't think I've seen the Oregon defense play this well yet in my four years at Oregon. I'm a senior now, and I mean, obviously the first three years was simply put horrendous to watch or two years. I'd say last year was a good defense. Okay. Yeah. Not last year. Last year they were good, but this game was, they played great. Kailana Apelu, I think had one of his best games, 1.5 tackles for a loss. Justin Hollins had two tackles for a loss, including that forced fumble. And Isaac Slade Mauditia was also all over the field. I think the linebackers yeah, had a great game. I mean, I think that has partially to do. Um, look, Stanford uh, is. It's sort of this ironic twist. Stanford is one of actually the worst rushing teams in the Pac 12. They're 11th in yards per game, they're only 104 rushing yards well, per game. Because they didn't have Bryce Love for. What? One game. One and a half games? Or no, one game. When did he leave against USC? Like the very end. Oh, okay. Um, But even then, I mean, they struggled to get their running game going against San Diego State. They struggled to get their running game going against USC. They didn't have him for UC Davis where, yeah, he probably could have put up some, you know, padded his stats a little. But, I mean, they only have like three rushing touchdowns on the year. And uh, really this passing game has, has bailed Stanford out all year long. And When's the last time you said that? Um, relative Stanford watcher Jack Butler I mean probably not since the luck days I would say because Hogan was better than uh, I think people gave him credit for but I mean certainly past two years Keller Chris slash Ryan Burns it was far from I don't even think it was the Oregon or the Stanford quarterback uh, Costello I thought I mean he was just chucking it in the air it was basically Sean Meadow, let's throw a Man United uh, thing in. It's like when Fellaini's on the field and they just throw <laughs> it in the box. That's what they're doing. They're just yeah. throwing the yeah. ball up there. I air. think there's probably like two listeners that know what that means. Yeah. But and it's Sean and I when we listen. Yeah, to this exactly. Later. When, when you listen to this later. Uh, no, I mean Costello, 19 to 26, 327 yards, three TDs, no picks. That's an amazing game. And I mean, you were talking about the Oregon defense, and they did really well, and they stopped the run really well, but. Uh, you, you can't teach height. You either have it or you don't. they didn't defend the pass very well. And I think Stanford figured that out partially because of necessity because they started to need to pass it because of the clock. But, you know, Caden Smith, six receptions, 95 yards. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, four receptions, 84 yards, two touchdowns. Colby Parkinson, uh, three receptions, 50 yards, one tipped to himself over Diamador. Diamador didn't get a piece of that. I thought he got a piece of that. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think he did. Parkinson just sort of. I think he like popped it up to so himself. Unfair. He just volleyball set it into when himself. When I was <laughs> when I was watching that, all I thought was like, man, that's like Shaq being guarded by Nate Robinson. Well, look, that's like fun. You know, going forward, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to do what Stanford Cal did is with a their six, seven tight end. Okay, probably not nearly as good as Caden Smith or Colby Parkinson um, or Ian Bunting. Yeah, Ian Bunting for uh, the Michigan transfer. But, like, what? I mean, Oregon's secondary is a little small outside of outside of Nick Pickett and, and Javon Holland. I mean, Ugo corner turned safety, and Thomas Graham and Diamador aren't necessarily those sort of long, lanky corners that have been trending recently. So, 
I mean, defense was was good, but needed a little improvement in the second half. I think I think that secondary for Oregon was just a lot smaller than the Stanford players. That's just what's going to happen. The the receivers and the tight ends. That's just that was something we knew was going to be playing a role going into the the game before we even got to game day, and it did play a role. I I think it's exactly right, Maverick, when you said it's just like tossing the ball up there for him. And that's that's what it looked like. But back at the line, I mean, they, they shut down the run game. And I think that's a big sign for Oregon when they play against teams later on in the season where they're going to have to, where maybe the receiving core for opposition isn't as good as what it was for Stanford in the game this weekend. So, I mean, I look at Jordan Scott. He did well, I think. He did extremely he, he did, well. He, like, the stats aren't going to show it because he's just got two tackles, but... Like he was phenomenal. I think nose that, guard is the most underappreciated position. Oh, absolutely, and I think yeah, Jordan Scott was brilliant. It's just it's a can be a statless position too. Like you know, he had four guys on him at one point. Yeah, and look, there was an interesting um, bit of statistical information that came out. Uh, I think in uh, Chantel Jennings of the Athletic wrote a little piece about the game. Um, I think today we're recording we're recording this Tuesday. Um, 7:30, FYI. At but, night, 7:39. Yeah, no, we are college students. We're not getting up 7:39 a.m. to record a podcast. But, we also had class today, so. <laughs> yeah, well, but um, interesting. I mean, the Stanford O line is a little beat up with some injuries. Um, I got, uh, you know, their starting right tackle, At Hall was questionable. He didn't play a lot at all in the first half, but they but they started to put him in there a lot more in the second half. And with A.T. Hall at right tackle, they moved Nate Herbig back to right guard. So uh, his natural position. So with A.T. Hall, Bryce Love, 8.4 yards per rush um, instead of the 2.5 yards per rush that he got um, without A.T. Hall in there for Stanford, um, I think. Two, two sacks allowed without A.T. Hall. And obviously, like, look, A.T. Hall didn't play majority of the snaps, so, like, there's some statistical, like, this isn't necessarily a absolutely perfect s- stat. But but that's also interesting. But, but the Stanford offense did get a little better in the second half. And I know everyone's going to talk about how Oregon blew it, and they did. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. But, you know, credit to Stanford for um, – you know, they still had to pull that off. Like, most teams probably don't pull that off, even with the opportunities that Oregon gave them. And Stanford was a little better in that second half. That's a, a interesting. Uh, I didn't even really know about the Stanford line issue. But with that, that kind of reminds me of what we talked about a lot in the spring and before the season started with the depth on the offensive line for Oregon is – They could, if they use multiple guys, have well-rested guys in the fourth quarter mauling over tired defenders. And that's what it seemed like maybe Stanford had with A.T. Hall coming in completely rested. And I do not remember who you said was the right guard, but with him moving inside, maybe that's a little different uh, energy being used. And they had well-rested guys, and uh, that's something I thought we'd see from Oregon this year. Yeah, and and it says Hall only played one snap in the first half, and then he only didn't play two snaps in the second half. So that was an adjustment Stanford made. And, I mean, it paid off a little bit for them. And, and I'm sure, you know, I mean, zero sacks allowed in that second half for Stanford. I think Justin Hollins got to KJ Costello once early. I mean, they were kind of getting to him a little early, but 
in the second half, he was able to toss it up. Yeah, Hollins had two tackles for a loss, one quarterback hurry, and then obviously one of the tackles for a loss was a strip sack, which means you strip the ball from yeah. the quarterback. Mm. You don't, like, strip? Anyways. Uh, but. Wait, hey, Do hey, we no, need a bleep no. button? No, man. we don't. We don't. <laughs> I mean, there was I, nothing, I can put a bleep in. There was nothing wordy. Uh, not allowed about that. Okay, so <laughs> moving on from the Stanford game. Try and segue that, Mav. I will segue it right now. Try and figure that one out. You know how I'm going to do it? What? That was a mistake. What was Oregon's biggest oh, mistake? Oh, my God. That was, that was impressive. Sean, what was Oregon's biggest mistake? <laughs> <laughs> not taking a knee maybe on that final drive. I think that one for me has to be it. Uh a lot of people will argue that Cristobal's play calling on no. that was... I mean, I've heard people argue it, and I, I think that that was the mistake. But when you look at the rest of the game, I mean, it leads into that. It's not like that was the only mistake Oregon made that game. There were a lot of mistakes. Jake Hansen tossed the ball over Herbert's head on two snaps. Like, you can't be doing that in a big moment. And uh, Maverick had brought that up already. Like, Or you guys had talked about that. You talked to Jake Hansen at practice today, Jack, and... the. The fact that the fact that that happened is it's like there's a chain of events that led to that that fumble. So C.J. Verdell is not the man to blame in this at all. Like there's multiple people yeah, at mean, fault he, in he this is one. A little bit, but like, of course, yeah. but like you can't rest all the blame on him. It's not like that was the sole mistake. But I think the mistake was that Oregon at halftime got complacent. My uh, my yeah. issue, or not an issue, something I would have liked to see is that. Oregon, we talked about their defensive backs are not the tallest, and most teams do not have tall defensive backs. But they had two guys that have been talked up a lot in practice this year, Hockey Woods and Khalif Halasi. And they are both over six – or Hockey Woods is 6'3", and Khalif Halasi is uh, 6'2". So 6'2 and 6'3". And though they could have, I think, at least hung with Arcega Whiteside a couple times and maybe – put up a better fight than the safeties on Parkinson and, and Caden Smith. Um, yeah, I mean, cause, tight, the tight end position was, was tough because... Yeah, but cause I, those I think are, those... I Just get the tallest guys because, I mean, on that one uh, wheel route they threw to Bryce Love, it was Jalen Jelks and Travis... Or Troy Dye, sorry, yeah. uh, guarding him. Well, they and, didn't complete that one. Yeah, but... <laughs> Uh, I so thought, yeah. I, I like the idea of getting your taller guys involved in the pass defense, but I think they had a couple of tall guys that have well, been praised a lot in this season. So I'm not like just pulling out random guys that are tall. They both have had some playing time and have been the first guys off the bench when Oregon is blowing out the other team. And when Diamador was down with that quick injury, it was Halasi and uh, Hockey Woods that were coming in. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know the level of confidence that the coaches truly have. But it was nothing against Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore's playing skill. They're both very talented. It's just, it was physical. They were just not tall enough to guard these players. Right. And it's interesting because it's not that this was Jim Levitz and that coaching staff's first rodeo with JJ or Sega Whiteside or Colby Parkinson. They both scored uh, multiple. Well, Colby, I think had a one. No, they both had two. They both had two touchdowns last season in in Stanford and obviously um you know quite similar I mean just kind of fades box outs that happened I think um last year last year I think last year there was an it was an interesting stat that last season that Stanford 
ran in like zero re- receiving touchdowns they were all in the caught in the end zone and i mean uh they've had one or two this season but yeah i mean this and i think towards you know once jj arcega whiteside had one or, or two or they went to a couple fades to him in the end zone last year they kind of they brought out i think tyree they put tyree on him tyree robinson who was the big safety bigger safety they had last year i mean certainly an adjustment they made there and i'm sure they made adjustments um but look at the end of the day stanford kind of went out there and, and and won it as well so um biggest oregon's mistake i mean let's what what do we what do, what's our views on the the clock management i mean i think that well, that's what sean said yeah i think that right. that whole sequence is yeah but i think that's been covered enough i think i think there there was some mistakes are we three for three that after herbert gets that touch gets that first down not touchdown First down on that third and four, like a um, just under two minutes left. You just knee it three times and punt it. Is that uh, where? I think I, either way, it was it, if it worked, it would have been the right decision, but it, it didn't work. And I think if they kneeled and something like we were talking about before the show, the Michigan Michigan State incident where I don't even remember what that punter's name was. Um, Kenny Allen, I think, was his name. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Misplaced or the long snapper. Uh, skipped it to him, and Michigan State ran it back for a touchdown. All I remember is that the that student that was the meme. Yeah, yeah, he's that. still a meme. Um, but it, I mean, that's the way Cristobal coaches. He goes for the throat. He's aggressive, and he, I mean, it backfired this time, but maybe next time it will work in his favor. I think it would be Most worse of... to back backtrack on your coaching philosophy at this point in the season than to change it. In that sort situation. of, sort of. I mean, I think there's something to be said for making the smart decision. <laughs> I mean, like, like I don't know. Uh, oh, he was being 20, aggressive, 20. and he was. And look, like once you get that first eight yards with C.J. Verdell, like obviously you you have to run it. Then you're two or three yards out from that first down. Like at that point, you have to run it. But I'm saying, you know, first when it was that first down, you take three knees, you force you force Stanford to get rid of their timeout, and you just. You know, they were at their own 40 maybe. Maybe they moved back to, like, the 45 with the knees. I mean, I know a lot can go wrong on the punt, but, you know, what happened? That, there's yeah. a too many too <laughs> like, many what-ifs, I think, that we're talking right, about I, when but, it comes to that. Sure, but I, I think how many, you know, you know. I have no problem running the ball in, in, in that I have situation. a little bit of an issue running it on yeah, that first down. Uh, but but it, obviously once you get those yeah. seven, eight yards like C.J. Everdell did, like you have to go for that first down. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's just a tough situation. But, I mean, they lost. It's over with. And now they got to beat Cal. Oh, and... you sound like one of their players. Well, I've been listening to <laughs> like, their – Like Shane Lemieux on the podium after the game. I've I been... mean, they're right. I, I they're just right. wrote about this. So I've heard, I think, 12 <laughs> interviews about this game in the last uh, three hours. So it's kind of <laughs> on my mind right now. But – Let's focus on Cal. That's what this podcast is meant for. You guys did a post-Stanford podcast already. Yeah, this, a little 15-minute spiel. This is on spiel. Cal. And no, this is half Stanford, half Cal. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's Bay Area So themed. actually probably mostly Stanford because we've gone pretty that's long. That's far more interesting. Cal does pose a couple matchup. It, I wouldn't say issues, but interesting matchups uh, for Cal. They do have... Three quarterbacks. I'm not sure if Ross Bowers, the guy that was the quarterback last year, who I have said is is good. He will not play probably because he has not been good. He played one game. It will most likely be Chase Garbers, who is the dual threat quarterback, I would say, and then Brandon McElwain, who is the running quarterback. Both have uh, or 
Garbers has thrown for 449 yards and six touchdowns. And then both have over 100 rushing yards with McIlwain leading Garbers by three yards with 129. And pretty much the only other real offensive weapons are Patrick Laird, the running back, who has just 144 yards and is averaging under three yards a carry. That's not good. That's what Bryce Love was averaging before A.T. Hall was in. That's what you said. So they should have no problem stopping that. And then receiving, it's Jordan Duncan and Kanawaya Noah. And both are not real barn burners. Neither are taller than 6'3", so I'm sure Thomas Graham and Diamador Lennard are happy. So what what do you guys really see other than that? You know, I see a, a team for Oregon where um, passing defense is going to have to be key. Uh, when you have someone like on Oregon where the the secondary is a little bit shorter, but they, they had a tough one against Stanford, they're going to have to bounce back from that. And, I mean, right now the receivers for Stanford making the big plays, like they don't have – or sorry, for Cal, still <laughs> – my mind's still on Stanford. But when – like Hypocrite. Jordan, yeah, Jordan Duncan, who, who's got um, 127 yards right now. I mean – it's they don't have a ton. Of, They're a defensive team of offense, and I think that oh, for yeah. Oregon is going to be going to be something they can key in on. I think with Justin Herbert being as hot as he is, and Dylan Mitchell, like mm, if Oregon that hair, that hair. Wow. <laughs> okay, Jack, the the passing game for Oregon, Dylan Mitchell, the way he played against Stanford, if he can continue that over, probably not, probably not. Odds I mean, are, he could do well. He, he could just, do well. He won't do as well as Stanford. My probably, point. But, my point. Odds are that's an all-time Oregon game. Like, yeah, chances. I'm not saying he. No, that that was a question today to Marcus Arroyo. Is uh, uh, Tyson asked him, do you think uh, that was like an anomaly type thing, or is like, I mean, that's the second best game in Oregon wide receiver history. And then Marcus Arroyo just answers like, no, Dylan's very talented, and and so I think that's what they expect. I guess. I expect. I expect ten plus receptions, 180 yards plus every game. No. Um, I mean, I will remember what before the Stanford week podcast, we talked about how Dill Mitchell has six catches on the year. Like we need to get more involved and that's what they did. I mean, we thought maybe true. Oregon's offense was holding something back a little and obviously they were holding a whole person back. Yeah, they were also, they let him loose they were also holding back running Herbert and he had yeah. a lot of key runs, but, um, and that's smart. Sa- save your oh, guy. Cause yeah. What God, happened yeah. last year when they ran him against Cal? Well, yeah, you don't need to run him to beat the first three opponents that they played. But uh, And you, honestly, I don't think they'll need to run him too much against Cal because this Cal offense, I mean, you were, Sean, you were touching on the uh, offense, some of their wide receivers. They're 11th in the Pac-12 in passing, you know, 202 yards per game. Um and you know seven touchdowns to be fair they've played one fewer they've, they've only played three games they're actually coming off a bye into this oregon game that uh, you know who knows how much that might play an impact but got an extra week to prepare but it's true if anything just an extra week to to get healthy to to get fresh but they're you know they're they're kind of a running team splitting between their defense team i wouldn't even talk well i, I offense, wouldn't even yes. call either yes. pe- either thing on the offense that good no no, but offense. But offensive of Sonny Dykes and Jeff Tedford's teams. Yeah, they are just as certainly, certainly. But offensively, they are a running team. I think fifth in yards per game uh, in the Pac-12, and and pretty much splitting that between 
uh, Laird, their running back, Patrick and the two Laird, and, and the two quarterbacks. So uh, Oregon seemed to handle a two QB system in Portland State quite well. Um, and San, San Jose State, right? Yeah, San Jose State used yeah. to. Yeah, Loriano so, and uh, yeah, I don't remember the other. Uh, Loriano. You know, uh, Montel Aaron. Montel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but certainly a defensive team. I mean, I think they're one of the. I got top. an A's notification. That's why I said Loriano. <laughs> Congrats on clinching the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think they're they're one of the top defenses in the conference. They have like seven interceptions, which is well. And Jordan Kunasik, Kunasik. Has, I'm sure you nailed it. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, has picked off Herbert two years in a row. He got the interception in overtime to give Oregon the loss, and he got an interception last year. I don't know if it was off Herbert or Taylor Alley, actually, but he had an interception in last year's game, and now he is the second leading tackler for the Cal defense with 2.5 tackles for a loss. Yeah, it's definitely a defensive team. So, I mean, we'll see... If- I, I I have a hard time thinking that this uh this Oregon team's gonna struggle a lot against this Cal team. I mean it is a Cal team that's that's much improved. They they went on the road and beat BYU and and then BYU went on to beat Wisconsin. So I mean you're just taking everything I wrote in my story this week, Jack. Well, you know what? I'm cutting you off. Yeah. <laughs> so final prediction. It must be a great story. <laughs> yeah. Final final predictions. <laughs> uh, let's go uh, – I mean, Oregon's at minus three. Yeah, favored by three. Yeah, what are you which... taking – who are you taking to win, Sean, and final score prediction? Final score prediction, I'm going to go with first – oh, uh, well, nah. I'll go Oregon's going to win this one. Uh, final score prediction – oh, man, I hate going first. Uh, I haven't actually thought this one out. I kind of wanted to see what – Afterwards. So you're just going to copy us and, like, add four points? Or nah, it's just going to wing it. But I'm going to say Oregon's going to put up 34, and Cal's going to put up 17. Okay. Jack Butler. Um, I don't – I mean, Oregon minus three, I would I would absolutely take that. I don't think that – unless there's some weird hangover effect. They're winning by from this at least Sanford four, game. I would think. I, I, yeah, I, I do think that they are – uh, even on the road, I mean, they were awful on the road last year. Most of that was with Burmeister, but um, I, I think on the on the road, first road game to be fair, but I, I think they'll go down and they'll they'll handle their business. And I don't know, I, I don't know a score, but Oregon by 17. So 34-17. Sure. That's hey, what, that's what Sean that. picked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I said it was going to be close. Well, Sean was just going to bandwagon on me, so I just bandwagon no, on Sean. No, <laughs> Earlier this week, I said Maybe. it was going to be close, like a touchdown game. 31-24 was my original prediction for Oregon to win. But I think the way the players seem this week, they seem a little nervous, and I think that will make them play a little better, I think. Well, I, uh, I think this is who a, knows? I think this is the first time they're going to play uh, in this system scared, and I, I, I'm kind of excited to see that as a – a viewer for this game, and I think Oregon's going to win uh, 38 to 20. But, 18. But they give up a garbage time touchdown. I think it's 38 13. Oregon. And they give up a garbage time touchdown. Uh, well, wild. So, o- almost 25. <laughs> Can oh. I add? Yeah, 25. Well, I don't know. Well, that'll do it for us. 
For more Emerald content, go to dailyemerald.com where you can read stories and listen to more podcasts. Subscribe to the Emerald Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts or listen to them at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.